the Squared Circle Digest. To text the show, 844-416-8123. That's 844-416-8123. Here's your host, Sean Stanley. Back high atop Inter-Miami CF Stadium. We are joined now by Jakari Givens. We're going to talk a little bit about WrestleMania. Jakari, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing good, man. I'm going to talk about wrestling for this last hour, so everything's been doing very well. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. It's a big week ahead. Um, we got a week full of wrestling. It seems like uh, NXT Hey, Jakari. Jakari, it sounds like you're in a wind tunnel. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Can okay. you hear me? I can hear you now. A minute ago, you were either moving or or it was a wind tunnel. Yes. Yeah. I'm good now. So, yeah. So, it's just, I'm excited for the week for the rest. Yeah, yeah, for Okay. All right. So let me tell you, ask you now, what about your favorite WrestleMania moment? What's your favorite WrestleMania moment? Oh, it's, it's Seth Rollins cashing in. Uh, it was kind of an in-tone, like, whatever, because we didn't want to see Brock versus uh, uh, Brock versus Reigns at the time. And just to see that cash-in moment, like, and see him do the spin with the title on top of the ramp, like, that was probably that. And obviously, and CM Punk versus Undertaker. That was one of my favorite matches in the last couple of years, just seeing the matches and, like, seeing how that played out and how CM Punk used the Paul Bearer death as something. And it's it, it just an amazing build to that story. Yeah, I know. That was going to be my next one. What was your favorite WrestleMania build as far as that goes? Because for me, it was the yes movement as far as a build for something. But also, if you go all the way back to WrestleMania three. Andre Hogan, I thought was a great build as well. Uh, my favorite build? Ooh, that's a tough one. I would say John Cena and The Rock, just because it was like two yeah. years in the making. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm probably gonna have to go with the yes movement as well, just because what they put him through, the whole thing that was beautiful. Like you know, the whole he can't—he's too small. He's not an A-list player. Um, he got to beat five people just to get the match. So that was one of my favorite builds as well. And just to see how people got behind Daniel Bryan was just an amazing thing as well. Yeah, especially, you know, uh, with that whole the, the yes movement, the way that thing took off. Now, I know you're looking forward to Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, and I'll give you time to talk about that in a little bit. But besides that match, this two-night WrestleMania, what match are you looking forward to? Well, uh, I would I would say Reigns, Brian, and Edge. Um, just because the the work Reigns has been putting in the last couple of months has been just amazing. So I want to see that. And plus, the the adding Daniel Bryan to the mix kind of like made it like, well, damn. Like I really don't know who's gonna win because now you can take the title off Reigns without him having to take the pin. So that's probably that's one. And far as NXT, Adam Cole and um, uh, Adam Cole and O'Reilly. Yeah, no, no, that one's got my that my check too. I thought one thing I thought that was maybe a mess up on WWE's part was the fact that they since they added Brian, 
I almost believe that Roman Reigns is dropping the title. Yes, and yeah. that's the thing. As soon as they added him, it was like, okay, they put Brian in the match to take the pin because they don't want either Edge well, or Reigns to take the pin straight well, up. That was going to be my my thing was, though, is that maybe they put him in there for Edge to take the pin possibly because Edge has been doing a lot of heelish stuff. Hey Jakari, I'm losing you again, man. Hey, um, can you call us back? Can you try to call us back and uh and, and get a better connection if you can? Yes, that's fine. Give me one let me let me do that right now. Okay, man. All right, we'll get you back on as soon as you call back in, okay? All right. All right, and we'll continue this talk also, but I wanted to look at uh some of the things that he was talking about there. The Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly match. Uh really looking forward to that on the NXT side of things. But I, I do think that WWE, and again, maybe this is WWE's way of telling us that. The unexpected, right? Because maybe Roman Reigns does walk out the champion. But to me, when you put Daniel Bryan in there with Edge, you have now said, we don't want Roman Reigns getting pinned, but we'd like to get a new uh, champion on board. So we'll see how that that goes and that happens. And uh, hopefully we'll get Jakari back on here in a moment uh, with a little bit better of connection. Uh, I know how he feels about Bianca Belair and, and Sasha Banks. So I'm going to let him discuss that once we get him back on here. Look at some of the WrestleMania builds up over time. When you when you look back, remember, WrestleMania four was uh what was it a ten or twenty superstar uh, tournament to determine a new WWE heavyweight champion. At that time, Hogan and Andre were first round buys, and they advanced into a second round, which then both got uh, disqualified, double disqualification, and moved, and Ted DiBiase moved on, and DiBiase and Savage was actually the finals. Savage wins it. That's when the Savage Hogan uh, mega powers kind of started. Moving on to WrestleMania five, the mega powers collided. It was almost a year long story, which you did discuss with Hogan and Rock as well. That was a year build. It was the night after WrestleMania. Rock came out, challenged uh, Cena, and I don't think we, we saw Rock again. Except for I think maybe it was a SummerSlam or the Survivor Series. He came back, I think, and had to team up with John Cena. And that was against Miz and R-Truth, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And then they fought at WrestleMania here in Miami, which surprised me. And I saw The Rock win. A year later, redid it, and Cena won the rematch. That's how you do business. You get the title. Cena did the honors for Rock in his hometown. Rock repaid the favors a year later. But also that card here, WrestleMania 28. At that time, it was Joe Robbie Stadium. Or was it Pro Player Stadium? I can't remember. But that was also the end of the era. That was the Undertaker, Triple H, Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels as the referee. And that match exceeded all expectations. I, I went into it going, okay, they're in the cage. It's a hell in a cell. They'll just beat each other up. They beat each other up. But the ending 
when Shawn Michaels kicked, super kicked the Undertaker right into the pedigree from Triple H. They didn't get the three count. The sell Shawn Michaels did on that count, that near fall, hooked everybody in that stadium. I was so happy to be there. Also, that was the same time Daniel Bryan took the 18-second loss to Sheamus. Oh, there's so much that happened on that card. So much amazing stuff. And again, WrestleManias have been in as soon as we, hopefully we'll get Jakari back on. But if not, uh, I'll reach out to him and we'll talk to talk, try to get him on again later. One thing that's been talked about in this WrestleMania that a lot of people forgot about it, and, and I really didn't make a big deal about it until recently was they're going to have a crowd at this WrestleMania. And WWE is kind of tinkering with an idea that they're not going to do a pre-match before night one because they want that first match of WrestleMania in front of a crowd to mean something. And to me, that is going to be a very impressive thing. And I think we might have Jakari back on. Yes. Perfect, Jakari. We got you, man. Hey, I wanted to talk. I was talking about this because uh, WWE now is tinkering with the idea of not doing a pre-match before night one because they want the first match in front of fans to mean something. So I want to – this is going to be a twofold question because – it's going to involve a match that I know you're, you have already talked to me about that you're very well looking forward to. If they yeah. do that on night one, I think what's going to happen is this. You're going to get Bobby Lashley against Drew McIntyre opening night one, the show. And I believe you're going to end up getting Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair closing the night or vice versa because they're putting so much meaning on this first match in front of a live audience audience again yeah i i i agree with that um i don't really want to see no pre-show matches anyway um if we was at a full capacity there yes but it's, it's no need for it and we want that first match to mean so much and it's gonna mean a lot to us as well think about it like we haven't seen fans like in the arena in what five six months <laughs> so it's gonna be a lot in the, and it's gonna be so much explosion and how good that match is gonna be Vice versa, whoever it is, Lashley or McIntyre versus McIntyre, Sasha and Bianca. Those matches are going to be explosive, and I expect great matches. I expect great matches all around just because the performers are going to be excited to be back in front of fans. Yeah, and and I, I feel like it was kind of a way for WWE to kind of get out of that whole uh They kind of painted themselves in a corner about who was going to be the main event for night one. With the, yeah. the Lashley and McIntyre and Banks Belair, and a lot of people wanted Banks and Belair to get that spot. I think they were leaning toward Lashley. Now it seems they made this first match mean almost like a main event spot, just to kind of get out of that. Yeah, and I think that I really, it's just I'm excited, man, and it's like I can't put it into words. Um, because the, the the fans make the show. So now that the fans are back, um. It's just going to be an amazing feeling for me, man. It's going to be just to see those guys, to, to see the women and men of the WWE get to get the uh, the fans back. Uh, you're going to see just 
I, I think we're going to see more off-the-wall changes. You know what I mean? I think we're going to see a lot of more surprises than we have in, in the past at WrestleMania. Yeah, I definitely think with, with the way this is set up. And I'm, I'm wondering, though, because 25,000 people in a 75,000-seat stadium normally would look pretty uh, bad on TV. But then when you add the the field now as well, they usually put another, I think, 10, 15,000 seats down there. How do you think they're going to be able to make this stadium look I mean, the field's going to be there because people in the crowd. But TV-wise, how do you think they can make it look good? Well, I think they're going to do what everybody else has been doing, the car caught up, and also they're going to pipe in noise as well. So I I just think it's going to be sort of like the the Thunderdome, but it's just going to be fans included instead. Yeah, and I'm hoping, again, like you said, I think we're going to see some surprises. Um is their second show on Peacock. And I want to get your thoughts on this. April 11th also now, we've, we found out, Chris Jericho will be on the Stone Cold Podcast. What are you making of that? Um, Jericho just has a lot of respect for WWE in general. So it's not it's not surprising. Um, he's just, you know, he, he has a lot of respect for Vince McMahon and He's just at AEW because they gave him, you know, obviously the money. He probably has curative control. He probably has investment in AEW. But I don't take nothing out of I think it's just, you know, Benjamin Man loves Jericho. He's probably one of the greatest performers you've ever seen because he's tired in a sense. Whatever gimmick you give him, he puts it over. So yeah. it's just the respect level for him. So it's not that I don't I don't buy much into it. Okay, good. I was I was hoping you weren't going to be like the Forbidden Door's been kicked down and AEW and WWE no. will be teaming up and all this stuff. Um, no, 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 no. No, I know. I saw that all day yesterday on my timeline. I almost wanted to just grab it and just be like, I deleted some people just because I was like, you're not, you don't you don't get it. Uh, last question, Jakari, before I I let you out of here. Um, your thought of the build for this WrestleMania, and then how mad are you that they broke up the Hurt business? I'm not that mad because I think Lashley, because I, I think we've seen that too much. I think we had the whole undisputed era dripping in gold. You had, like, it, it was too much of repetitiveness. So I'm not upset about it. And I also think they could have gave Bobby Lashley, uh, like, hot, like, more of a, a stable, if you get what I mean. Like, actually, good, 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 good people to be around. Like, Cedric Alexander, and, you know, was not the guy for him and Shelton Benjamin. Oh, man, I'll disagree. I'll, I'll agree to disagree with you, Jakari. I want to thank you for your time on here, man. I appreciate it. We'll get you on after WrestleMania, and let's discuss the results. Oh, yeah, definitely. Monday, I, Monday I'm available. I, I mean, next Monday I'll be available, so I can't wait. <laughs> Good deal, my man. That is Jakari Givens. You can check him out at KingJock24 on Twitter. Jakari, thank you so much, my man. And like that, he is gone. We'd like to thank A Shade Above Window Fashions in Davie, 954-434-4774 for this beautiful pink and black shade. A Shade Above teamed up with Bandalux to personalize and create the on-side radio shade in the beautiful pink and black colors. To order protection with a style for your home or office, like we did, call A Shade Above Window Fashions, 954-434-4774. Or go to the website. Website. Let me say that again. Go to the website, a shade above Florida.com.
Find the podcast for the Squared Circle Digest on all podcasting platforms. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. She's kind of a big deal. Some people. 623. That's 888-441-4623. Here's your host, Sean Stanley. Bringing you back in the Squared Circle Digest here on Onside Radio. It is now time for the crosstalk, and I get to talk with David Dwork from Chirping the Cats Radio. David, injuries are mounting, but the Panthers are still winning. It's they a good are. thing, right? Well, injuries are never a good thing, but the fact that they're able to overcome these injuries and still able to pull out a four-game winning streak, matching a season high, it's good. And injuries are hopefully starting to, to go away. The, we don't know yet. We'll find out within the next hour probably, uh, but Barkov and Hornquist should both be back in the lineup tonight. Um, yeah, I saw you saw the, said they were on the ice. I think it was Thursday. Thursday yeah, yeah, right, yeah right, right. then they, they, stayed, they stayed late to get in some extra work, and I watched them, and they both looked for, fine, normal, no limitations, didn't appear to me that they were trying to favor anything. And uh, I know Barkov's already on the ice this morning, Hornquist probably as well. Um, and, yeah, that'll be a, a welcomed, welcomed <laughs> return. Yeah, it will be. I mean, when you're a team like the Panthers, they're, they're a team that prides themselves on their, their ability to possess the puck and hang on to the puck. And nobody does it more or better than Barkov. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's going to throw a wrench into things when you take him out of the lineup. And we saw the struggles they had against Chicago. Yeah, the first Barkov, two games after Barkov was yeah. out. And then they kind of put it together now. They here. started figuring it out slowly but surely. And now they're back to, you know, obviously not at the high level that you could be with a Barkov in your lineup. But they're still, as we said, figuring out ways to win. Now, uh, how long will he be out? Uh, Q said 10 days. Um yeah. But Is that a normal injury, like, for hockey? I mean, I don't I mean, know how the... It's hard to say because, I mean, it looks like he jammed his shoulder in some yeah. way. You, you don't know if there's structural damage. You don't know mm-hmm. how, how sore it might be or if he did anything to his muscle, perhaps. It, they're so vague in hockey that we really don't know. But Q has said several times now, about 10 days, about 10 days. So Now, does their injuries thing go kind of like the day-to-day, seven-day, if you're on the... It can. Okay. It, like, the IR is if you put somebody on IR, on IR, they have to be out at least seven days. Okay. So Duclair okay. was put on IR, Hornquest was put on IR, but Hornquest was eligible to come off IR yesterday or yesterday or today. Either way, he's good to go for tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duclair, I guess he would have gone on Tuesday or Wednesday, mm-hmm. so he's going to be out probably until next weekend at least. All right, and Aaron Eckblad, I'm sure you're probably going to talk maybe about it later, but uh, what? 12 weeks. I just watching it again. I only saw it from a far angle and on on video. It, it looked like a lot worse than 12 yeah. weeks, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. What, what, what was the 12 weeks? Why did they say? Well, when you see that happen and like, you know, your first thought is, oh, God, he just tore up his knee. He's yeah. going to be out for six to eight months. And that's where your head goes. Yeah, no. 100%. So when obviously breaking a bone it sucks it's gruesome it's painful which absolutely made sense to how he looked on the ice mm-hmm. but 12 weeks is a hell of a lot better than you know half a year yeah the fact that he could potentially if florida has a good enough run it's there 12 weeks that's mid-june the stanley cup final goes till the the second week of july so he could possibly come mm-hmm. back for a playoff run as opposed <laughs> to thinking he might not even be here for the start of next season I took that news as amazingly good. No, I take it as amazingly good. I just didn't understand how twelve weeks with a lower body injury, like what it was that clean of a break. I guess they, or they're not going to give you any details. They said he. This is what the Panther said. He <laughs> fractured a lower extremity. That's all he got. 
That, that's all they have to <laughs> They are so vague yeah. in hockey with injuries. And they don't have – that's as va- I mean, they can be as vague as they oh, want yeah, to be. Oh, yeah, Belichick right? would love to be a hockey coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what do you got coming up on today's show? Uh, well, we're going to dive into – we got the Columbus Blue Jackets in town for back-to-back games this weekend, so I'm going to talk to uh, the beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch, Aaron uh, Brian Hedger about the series. And then I'm also going to talk to Aaron Portsline, who covers the Blue Jackets for The Athletic. I want to talk to him about some of the former Blue Jackets on the Panthers, like Bobrovsky, Nutravara, Alex Wenberg, and Bill Zito, and kind of get his take on how they've done to this point because he knows them pretty well. Mm-hmm. We've obviously got uh, injury stuff to talk about, goal, the goalie switcheroo that's been going on lately, a winning streak. I, I have so much stuff to talk about. I don't know how I'm going to get it all on the show. <laughs> yeah, you only got an hour, by the way. I, I know. <laughs> I'll be talking like the Micro Machine, man. Yeah. He is David Dwork. It is Chirping the Cats Radio. It's coming your way here. I want to thank everybody that tuned in to Squared Circle Digest today. And I'll talk to you next Saturday morning, same time, same channel, onsideradio.com. EF. Yes.